Welcome back to Counter Hegemony. I'm Aaron Taus. On May 28th, Turkish voters will have back to the polls for a run of election between incumbent president Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his challenger Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. With 49.5% of the vote, Erdogan narrowly missed an outright victory in the first round. Kılıçdaroğlu finished second with 44.9%. Ahead of the runoff vote, the far-right candidate Sinan Oğan, who came third with 5.2%, announced his endorsement for Erdogan. Many observers see him as a potential kingmaker. Erdogan is now in a good position to win the second round. He is supported by a party alliance of ultranationalist, fascist and Islamic parties. Kilic Tarolu, chair of the Republican People's Party, or CHP, had a secular nationalist bloc and promises to reverse all forms of democratic backsliding in the country. Over the past two decades, Erdogan and his Justice and Development Party, or AKP, have curtailed fundamental rights to freedom of assembly, association and expression, and de facto abolished the independence of the judiciary. Erdogan's autocratic regime controls all state institutions, as well as the press. In the runoff, Erdogan can rely on two groups his core electorate in the conservative regions of central Anatolia and the Black Sea region, and the large Turkish diaspora in Western Europe. Even though a third term in office is likely, Erdogan has been losing popular approval over the past years. The outcome of the first round was his worst election result ever. The government's failure during the forest fires of recent summers and the slow response to this year's earthquake in the southeast, in which more than 50,000 people died, contributed to this development. But there's also an economic dimension to Erdogan's dwindling support. The runoff election is held in the context of a severe economic crisis. The Turkish lira is at a record low, and the country is struggling with an inflation rate of more than 70%. In addition to high unemployment, the skyrocketing costs of food and rent deprive the majority of the working population of their livelihoods. Regardless of who wins, high inflation, declining international reserves and strains in the financial system pose the risk of a severe currency banking and debt crisis. Erdogan's third candidacy is also overshadowed by the potential ban of the pro-Kurdish People's Democratic Party, OHCP, now running on the list of the Green Left Party. Since 2015, the Turkish government has been weakening the HDP's party organization through systematic repression. More than 15,000 leaders and members of the party have been arrested. That same year, Erdogan unilaterally ended peace talks with the Kurdistan Workers' Party, or PKK, and began to take military action against Kurdish self-rule in northern Syria. This is part of the reason why the HDP and its bloc has supported Kilic in the presidential election. On the international stage, Erdogan has been blackmailing other countries to avoid criticism of the war against the Kurdish population. He has used the refugee agreement to pressure the European Union and Turkish veto in the NATO membership talks of Sweden and Finland to gain concessions in order to continue the military's attacks on the Kurds. As the southern anchor for NATO, Turkey plays a pivotal international role 
due to its geopolitical location between Europe, Russia, the Middle East and Central Asia, and its mediating position between Ukraine and Russia. As early as March and May of last year, Turkey initiated peace talks between the two countries. Even though Turkey has clearly sided with the Zelensky government, it is the only NATO member not to have participated in the sanctions against Russia. Since the start of the Ukraine war, trade between Russia and Turkey has increased. Russian exports to Turkey have nearly doubled, and Russian companies are increasingly buying shares in Turkish firms or setting up their own in the country. All of this is closely related to Erdogan's plan to develop Turkey as an international energy hub. So as long as the Ukraine war continues, Europe will be dependent on Turkey as an energy transfer state. In the Caucasus, on the other hand, the Russia-Turkey relations are marked by hostility. In a conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan over Nagorno-Karabakh, the Erdogan government has been supporting the Azerbaijani expulsion of Armenians from the region. Russia, on the other hand, is a staunch ally of Armenia. Over the past years, Turkey has been trying to re-establish its once-lost influence in the region and, in line with U.S. interests, to diminish Moscow's role. It is highly doubtful that much would change under Kilistarolo's watch. And there is also Turkish meddling in Syria. In January 2018, Erdogan launched an invasion of the country's northwest. Since then, the city of Afrin and the region around it have been under occupation by the Turkish military and an allied Islamist jihadist mercenary militia. The purpose of the operation is to isolate, attack and displace the Kurdish majority population. Erdogan would certainly continue the war. Kilic Cerolo has ruled out any peace negotiations with the PKK if elected. For decades his party has been at the forefront in supporting and shaping the anti-Kurdish national consensus. And one last point, the fact that both candidates are essentially nationalists shows how strong nationalist, racist and far-right sentiments are in the country. So that does it for today, thanks so much for tuning in, don't forget to subscribe, I'll see you next time.